It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Team Lally is an organization created by Dr. James and Rebecca Lally with the purpose of bringing good people together to do great things. During these challenging times, Team Lally wants to make sure we are all recognizing and thanking our first responders and healthcare professionals for all the incredible and brave things they are doing for us. While we look forward to the day we can enjoy coming to the games again, for now, Team Lally wants to remind us all to stay safe and practice social distancing. Go Angels! And thank you from Doc and Rebecca Lally. Love Doc and Rebecca Lally. And by the way, uh, Team Lally, proud sponsor of Madden Mondays here in the Sports Lodge. And Team Lally wants to wish everybody nothing but the best during these challenging times. Stay safe and practice social distancing. And yes, I would say these are challenging times for so many different reasons in our country. One of those being that the Major League Baseball owners and the players can't seem to get on the same page and boy if we ever if we've ever needed joe madden we need him today on a beautiful southern california day it's a madden monday so let's get to it hey halo hawks it's time for madden monday with angels manager joe madden and sports lodge host roger lodge um, you have to be empathetic and you have to be sincere and you have to have a good idea yeah, the fact that you may have to answer some difficult questions, have difficult conversations with players. Uh, I'm there to listen. I love it. Joe Madden joins the Sports Lodge every Monday at 320 and 520 on Angels Radio AMA 30, KLAA. Ah, yes, here is three-time manager of the year, two-time World Series champion. He's our guy. He's Angel manager Joe Madden. Joe, how you feeling? I am well, Raj. How are you guys doing? We're hanging in there. Hey, any mini okay. trips in the RV over the weekend? RV's parked. Uh, I'm I'm right now in the process of finding um, a place to keep it for the rest of the summer. I think I ran something down today with the help of Tom Taylor. But right now I'm sitting in the back of the Cal State Fullerton, my van, looking out at our garden. I've been gardening the last couple of days, loving it. Uh, it's a passion of mine for so many years ago, got away from it. I picked it back up, so I've been gardening over the weekend. Okay, so if I was to walk with you right now through your garden, what mm-hmm. is the vegetable or the whatever plant are you the most proud of? Well, that's Jay's in charge of the veggies. They're in the back. <laughs> and right now, I would say her squash uh, squash is really uh, putting on a show uh, really good. There's a lot of these really pretty blooms coming up, and which means I'm sure the fruit's not far behind. Tomato plant looking healthy. Actually, uh, I'm into rosemary. I love rosemary bushes. I'm growing one out front right here. Nothing. I mean, when you could, when you could grow a real mature rosemary bush at your pad, all you got to do is walk by and just touch it. I mean, it's incredible. We were in Italy uh, to some two winters ago, uh, at Castiglione del Bosco, this great resort in Tuscany. Man, there was, they were everywhere. You can't get enough of rosemary bushes. Joe, when is the absolute right time? To take the tomato, do you take it off? Do you let it fall off? When's the right time to pick a tomato? How do you know? 
when it looks good. <laughs> we went we went to a farmer's market yesterday, and the dude had like one sliced open. I said, "Oh my god, that looked like a Pennsylvania summer tomato right there." So we bought some, bought it home, and our neighbor um, Kelly down the street she gave us this uh, loaf of sourdough that she did herself. All you need is the ripest, juiciest, sweetest tomato with olive oil, maybe a little salt and pepper, and uh, that kind of bread. That's the meal. I don't need anything else. That's what I grew up on. Do you go a little mayo on that tomato? No. No, it's just olive oil. You cannot. I'm anti. The only time I like mayo it would be on a BLT. Otherwise, I am anti. And in my, my tuna. Otherwise, I stay away from the mayo. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Joe Madden, but the mm-hmm. biggest, ripest, juiciest tomatoes, as we speak, lie mm-hmm. in the backyard of the only yep. lefty in franchise history to win 20 games, and that's Clyde Skeeter, right? He has the most insane tomatoes you'll ever see. I'm on the list. He promised me. <laughs> I'm on the list. <laughs> All right, Joe, uh, I think both of us have, in the last couple of conversations, shared the narrative that the owners in Major League Baseball and the Players Association, it was a negotiation. They were posturing for better position during these negotiations, which is pretty standard in negotiating procedure. Has it moved beyond that? Are you now concerned that the two sides' contentious relationship may affect the game moving forward? Um, I can't say that it's not, but I I still have a lot of uh, uh, internal personal hope. I I really believe something will be arrived at. I believe it's going to be settled. I, I, I don't think anybody wants the commissioner to unilaterally enforce anything. Um, that's the part I think we, we would probably try to stay away from. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm hopeful for the rest of this week. The, the thing that, that would be best if they could actually sit down face-to-face, I think that would always help move things along. I mean, the virtual negotiations, um, there's, you know, you got that, that uh, virtual wall that, that you, you just, you're missing that little extra visceral moment, that, that connective moment I think is being subtracted from this. So if anything, I'd love to see them be able to actually sit in the same room with masks if necessary, whatever. But I do, I do believe, uh, I'd like, I want to believe that if these guys had a chance to actually sit with one another, we'd have a much better chance to come to the conclusion. And Joe, that leads me to this. I just thought of this as you were describing the, the scenario of getting in the room and having a conversation. Have you ever had a situation as manager uh, where it was maybe a couple of players, let's say, weren't on the same page and you bring them into your office and you guys have a discussion and you communicate and both sides speak their, their particular sides of whatever argument it might be. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Done that. Um, done that with coaches, done it with players. And sometimes you have to do it with the whole team. The thing that you try to always uh, work on is to get in front of something like that. So that that's avoidable. Sometimes it's not um, avoidable. And I'm talking, I'm going back into the minor leagues also. This isn't just the major leagues. A lot of times you actually might get those kind of conflicts more there than you do here. Um, so right now what I've been working very, very hard at is to stay in front of all our emotions, stay in front of some potential problems coming out of the break. You have so many uh, varied uh, situations that we have to work through, social injustice, a, a pandemic, uh, a very difficult uh, negotiation and attempt to get us back Um and, and beyond all that, the game itself and not having played in a while, and then you come back, and how do you get your mind straight quickly to play the kind of baseball that 
you want to play and that the fans are accustomed to. There's a lot of that too that nobody even discusses. I mean, we're, we're so we are in, in the right areas where we're worried about the right things, and so I don't know that we spent and really kind of uh, try to intellectualize exactly what this baseball thing is going to look like when we start it up again, because we've applied so much uh, mental uh, weight to the other area. And I have too. Listen, I'm I'm not apologizing for it. I mean, I've my whole thing with the Angels right now. I've, I've been trying to uh, touch everybody as much as I can. And I have not really been uh, delving into the game itself other than how to set it up prior to getting to camp so that by the time we get to camp, we've approached a lot of subjects that permit us to get to work sooner. So that's where I've been. And, um, and now that I'm getting, we're getting closer to this, now i got to start uh, creating a strategy regarding uh, the game itself and how we're going to get this done and get it done quickly and successfully. So there's there's a lot more to think about this time through than at obviously at any at, at any time in the past, and so segmentally um, I've been thinking about it, and then now we're getting to this phase. And have you gotten any indications whatsoever behind the scenes that if you do play that shortened what you know forty eight or fifty right. game season that some guys with some players on your roster might take a pass on that? Not at all. I, I have not, and I just had a meeting with the lead bulls a couple of days ago. That's the most. The guys I have chosen to be the most influential, we have chosen the most influential on the team, about 10 of them. Set them on a Zoomer a couple of days ago, and we had a tremendously open, frank conversation. Uh, that was not, that feeling was not demonstrated at all. So let's make this official. You're still working and pressing forward under the mindset that you're going to play some baseball at some point here. Of course. I, I mean, yeah, I, I've, never, I've never varied from that. I totally believe that. Um, you know, the, it's always darkest before the light, the 11th hour, everyone, all this stuff to me, uh, is not surprised in a sense. Um, the difference, I mean, obviously there's way more, there's many more outlets to discuss this and there's, there's, uh, the publicity, the, the, the commentary, the opinions come from so many varied sources and then, uh, it gains even more momentum and that's part of the problem too, I think. So I, I try to think for myself. I try to read between the lines uh, and then and employ the strategy that I think fits best because you can't, you can't really read everything. I don't care what the subject or topic is right now and believe everything you read, nor can you just brush anything aside. You just, you have to be uh, vigilant, um, try to uh, put the pieces together as well as you possibly can. And, and always my slant is going to be on the positive side. So that's where I'm at. And that's what we're prepared, preparing for. And I've, I've told the coaches the same thing. And players are still preparing both in Arizona and oh, yeah. out here at the Big A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything, all that stuff is normal. Yeah, the guys are the guys are good, and I, that's what I try to relate to them. I'm really not, I'm not worried about that stuff right now. I'm worried about how they feel about coming back, how they feel about their families, any kind of uh, extenuating circumstances. People or parts of your family have to be aware of in, in regards to transmission of the virus. How does that feel? I still, when we get back, I think it's going to be important to have the. Uh, Black Lives Matter discussion. I've already broached that subject with the group. Uh, I mean, a variety of our coaches, uh, different uh, minor league uh, personnel, and then the and the, the lead bulls a couple days ago. You have to have difficult and frank conversations right now. You cannot run away from it. You cannot. Um, they're going to be uncomfortable for some people, uh, but they're also going to be a, it's going to be a learning experience for for most of us. So um, I want to talk about all that stuff frankly before we get to camp, and then talk about it 
more when we get there. And the point is, if we if we broach the subject now, by the time we do get there, um, I think uh, it'll it'll the, the discussion will be a little bit more easy, if that makes any sense. And people will in advance know where people stand on certain topics, and then they might even have a chance not to, to to call each other personally between now and the time we actually report. But this is not going to go away. We're not going to we're not going to be this this. Uh, unified group that we want to be if we don't discuss this stuff openly. Joe, I got to be honest with you here. I need a little pep mm-hmm. talk today because I've been I've been getting emails and tweets and I could not be more sincere when I bring this up mm-hmm. with you. I've been mm-hmm. getting emails and tweets with people upset with me because mm-hmm. I dared to veer off of sports and dedicate a segment last week to the issue of social injustice and racism in our country and and when I simply couldn't put it another way, for the lack of a better term, I said on the air that racism sucks. I flat out said it. Racism sucks. Today, yesterday, forever, and ever since then, Joe, I'm not kidding you. I've been getting messages throughout my social media platforms from people telling me to stick to sports. And believe me, they've used some pretty colorful, disrespectful language in their rants. So my question for you is, Joe, how was it for you? When you started with that initiative back in your hometown of Hazleton, Pennsylvania, and you launched what was known as the Hazleton Integration Project, did you get any kind of backlash like I've received? Of course, and I was expecting it. And uh, that was fine because that group that wants to lash out at me like that, I know um, in my heart that that is the wrong approach. I know in my heart what is the right approach. You know you're going to be uh, met with resistance, and if you think you're not, um, that's that's a that's a bad way to process all that. So I expected it, uh, but also when you know in your heart what you think is right, it's easy to answer those questions and and feel strong about your response. If you're not set and know for sure that what you're doing is the right thing to do, then it becomes more difficult. But you know what you said is right, so you should be able to handle the backlash of any kind of commentary under those circumstances. And, 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 and just uh, uh, put your philosophy, your personal philosophy out there to be heard. And don't back off, man. Don't back off. I mean, I think a lot of times people are just doing that to stir the pot a little bit also and be controversial. But at the end of the day, man, we all have to do – we know what's right. We were raised knowing what's right. We were raised knowing what's wrong. So we just got to um, uh, choose on the side of right, I believe. Did your project change things in Hazleton? And how long did it take before you actually saw change taking place, Joe? It's like looking at my garden right now, man. They're not going to be flowers by tomorrow. You know, you plant the seed, man. It takes a while to grow. And you have to be patient. And you have to know that. You know you're going to be met with resistance. You know that you're going to probably do some things wrong that you're going to have to change also along the way. You have to be open-minded. You have to listen. You have to do all those things because you're going to make mistakes. If you've never done anything like that before, of course, um, you're going to screw things up along the way. But you keep gaining confidence as you move forward. You get more uh, allies and people that really know what they're talking about in regards to these different kind of social situations, and they advise. And so that was, what, 2013? We started the thought in 2010. I think the building was real by 2012, 2013, and then people actually in the building and providing services by around that time. Uh, the city itself, a lot of the centers, um, a lot of people that I've known for years, you know, like I said in the article, Joey, what are you doing? Why, why are you trying to help these people? 
you know, they're the bad people. They're no good. We need to get them out of town. And all I could respond was, listen, you're not seeing the same thing I am because these people are here to save our city. Uh, we need their youth. We need the, the, And don't forget, they want to be here, too. A lot of people have left this city. They don't want to be here anymore. These folks actually want to be here. And they're young and they have kids. And uh, they, they're hardworking. And they're looking for the American dream, just like my grandparents did. So, um, And, and the, the, the point I try to get across a, a lot was kids, as kids growing up, we used to sit at the foot of our grandparents and listen to all their stories, what it was like when they came over. Um, both my grandparents came over via boats to get here, one from Italy, one from Poland. And it's such a romantic situation in a sense when they talk about actually how tough it was. And you romanticize and you think about it. And they talk about how tough it was. They talk about going through the Depression. And you visualize this. And weirdly, there's a romantic component to this. There's an awful component. But, God, I wish I'd been there. It sounds like such a great time. We actually think those things. Now you have this opportunity in 2010 to relive exactly what your grandparents went through when they were met with resistance and what it was like and how people called them names and didn't like their kids. They were dirty. They spoke a different language. Their food, what have, could you believe what they eat? I mean, the same stuff, the same stuff that this generation of Hispanics are going through in my hometown. And that's what I try to illustrate and point out to everybody back there. Uh, eventually, uh, it'll get to, it, it, it has its gained momentum. There's a lot less resistance. There's a lot more people that were resistant now that are on board with us. And they're seeing the benefits and they're finding out that these folks are just like us. They're outstanding. And furthermore, when you get to meet the kids, and this is really all about the kids, um, when you get the kids together, regardless of where they come from, their background, country, skin color, whatever, the kids will show us how to do this. So we got to get the kids together so that the parents could actually be educated. And that's what we try to do back there. Like I've been saying all along, Joe, it all starts in our hearts, right? I mean, that's it's simple. It's as simple as that. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, um, how, how could I say? I mean, you, I got home um, late, like 2005 to 10. The city was dark. It was not the city I grew up in, which I always thought was the best place in the world to grow up in as a kid. And I was really disheartened. I was really upset. <clears throat> there was fear. There was no trust whatsoever. There's, and there, furthermore, there was nothing to do. The place was pretty much shut down. There was no businesses, uh, nowhere for, for grownups to go, nowhere for kids to go. It was it was just so antithetical to what it had been when I grew up. It could not have been more different. And was I disappointed? And I was actually angry. And I'm sitting right here in, in Long Beach. This is where we came back after that Christmas uh, trip. And I said to Jay, we got to do something about this. And that's when I called my cousin Bob and Elaine, and we talked specifically about what you're seeing there, that thought, the Hazleton Integration Project, HIP, because Jay, Jay and my wife came up with HIP, because we, we didn't want to use the word uh, immigration, we used the word integration. So the Hazleton Integration Project grew in the HIP, and now it's the Hazleton Community Center. How about the fact that we're, we are uh, in conjunction now with Boonsburg University, where like, I think eight of our students now are attending there with the intent of becoming school teachers. Because we've heard from the school district back home that there's no Hispanic teachers in our city because there's no qualified applicants. Okay, you know what? We're going to give you eight in a couple of years and then another eight and then another eight. So uh, that's, that's how this thing has to work. You just can't talk about it. You actually have to do something about it. Wow. So when you go back and, and you speak to your players moving forward mm -hmm. here, and you refer and you guys bring up the conversation. And like you said, sometimes the conversation is, is not easy. But when you talk about Black Lives Matter, 
with your mm-hmm. players. Will you speak with your African-American players individually as a group or the whole team together? How would that conversation work? Well, what I'm, I'm, I've already talked, like I said, to the my lead bulls. There was 10 of them. And then the next step is to talk. We've got to figure out who's coming to this camp and how this is going to work. But everybody that's coming here for our spring training, that would be my next Zoomer. I want to Zoom call with everybody to broach the same subjects. And so the one group has already heard it, the Bulls, the, the whole group will hear it for the first time. And then when we get here, uh, then we'll be able to see, you know, sit down face-to-face, even if I have to sit them in the stands and talk to them that way in order to uh, create the conversation, whatever it takes. And, and it has to be tough. It has to be emotional. Uh, it has to cut to the chase. It's, it's, it's got to put us on the same page. And there's a lot of people out there that don't know what they think. And, and, and they need direction. I mean, it's, it's truly that that is true. And for those that don't understand that, it's just because um, some people just haven't applied enough thought to it yet. And that's OK. And so I, I think it's part of my job in order. To, it, part of my job is to create the conversation that uh, may create an uncomfortable moment that leads to a unified approach and everybody having an understanding of what the angels on the field think about this. And then we can move forward. And help. I mean, last point, I don't want to keep talking, but in that article I talked about, I'd really like to see like activist involvement with our players in the community, meaning get out in the community here uh, in Orange County and Southern California. And, but I also believe you need to do the same thing in your hometown. I'd like to see like a program set up where we reach out and help wherever we're working at. Right now I'm in Long Beach. Here's where I'm, I'm helping and working. But Hazleton's definitely uh, strongly on my mind. Wherever our players come from, beyond helping in the community that we're playing at, I think it's really important that you really strongly attempt to help the community that you came from also. Amen, Joe. Madden Mondays here in the Sports Lodge. We absolutely love them. Hey, by the way, going back to the uh, project uh, the uh, mm-hmm. project in Hazleton, how did you get Lasorda mm-hmm. and Mike Ditka and Joe Namath involved? Yeah, well, um, Tommy's from that area. Tommy's from Norristown. That's right down the street. Uh, it's about right down by Philly, and Tommy and I have always spoken, and he's, he's wonderful. And so he, and he, Tommy used to hang out in Hazleton. He used to come up there to scout a little bit with a friend of family named Joe Barletta, who's since passed away. So Tommy, Tommy liked Coney Island hot dogs, so I had no problem getting Tommy there. So we we did that, <laughs> and then and then Namath I got to be friends with, and Joe's from Beaver Falls, and I explained the situation, and man, he was so good. Same with Mike Ditka. I got to be friends with Mike and, and uh, Dan and his wife. And I love these. I mean, we're like really good friends now. Coach, coach, I would go anywhere for coach. Um, he's, he's, he's like Lithuanian from, from Pittsburgh and Polish from Eastern Pennsylvania. We, you know, we speak the same language, man. And uh, so, and so is Joe. I mean, Joe, Joe's uh, that ethnic European background from Beaver Falls uh, was easy. That was easy regarding all of that. There's been others. I mean, uh, I've had Louis Tiant, Orlando Cepeda. Uh, Jose wow. Cardenal, uh, uh, Carlos Pena has been there. Uh, last year, David Ross showed up. Uh, we've had we've had nothing but really Yogi Bear and Don Zimmer were my first two. How about Yogi came to town and still Lindsay comes, his granddaughter, along with his son, Larry Bera, who's now a friend of the family, shows up every year. So it's really, I'm telling you, man, it's it's really good. And we've, we've always wanted to, we wanted to nail it so that we could, um, show other small communities in northeastern Pennsylvania how to do it. And when it gets to large cities, man, you can't think of it as throwing a tarp over the whole city. You've got to work uh, one block at a time, one neighborhood at a time, 
one progressive group at a time in small areas until finally you build something big and that it works for everybody. God, Joe, it's amazing. Whenever we have these conversations and you uh, get into detail on your life and things that you've done, it's no matter what we do and what we're trying to accomplish, it always comes down to the relationships that we build and the trust that we build with people that we work with, right? And with family, right? That's what it's all about, relationships and trust. It, uh, brother is preaching to the choir. That's on our, our painting. Check out, go to maddenart.com and check out the uh, Banksy painting that we have. Okay. You just described the entire painting. Go to maddenart.com. A lot of stuff's available if you want to buy some cool T-shirts, sweatshirts. All that money goes to Respect 90 Foundation. It all gets distributed. We're working on a lot of different projects, putting as much money as we can out there. We haven't had a chance to bring any in. And on top of that, the other word I want to start really utilizing a lot is accountability. Um, that's at the that's at the core of everything that uh, we're trying to discuss right now, and uh, the word accountability needs to be used a lot. And uh, accountability, as it relates to building relationships, is then then you go to trust, and it flows to trust. Then you flow to the point where you can exchange ideas, and then you finally get to the point where you can actually be constructively critical of one another and actually listen at the same time. Because if you don't get to that point. You can never uh, exchange an idea and then be critical of the other person's opinion because there's no trust. And then it's just um, the, the next person waiting to talk after you're done talking and nothing ever happens. Joe Madden, manager of the Angels. I can't tell you how much I cherish these conversations, Joe. Oh, by the way, today, yes, is, uh, today is Billy Williams, Dusty Baker, and Jim Belushi's birthday. Which guy are you more likely to text and give them happy birthday wishes? Billy Williams, oh, Dusty Baker, or Jim Belushi? It's funny. It's already done. I've already texted with <laughs> Billy. Uh, I had. I got his. I saw his picture. You know, on the uh, on my iPad. So I took a picture of it, and I texted it to him and wished him happy. I really like Billy. Love Billy. I mean, Billy and I have a really good relationship. And he said, "Boy, that that guy looks like a pretty good, uh, pretty good looking young hitter." And I said, "Yes, he was." Uh, Billy, I call him Billy D. Billy D. Williams. Uh, he loves it. He loves it. Oh, love that! By the way, Billy Williams, your friend, robbed of that 1972 MVP. They gave it to Johnny Bench, but go look at the numbers of Billy Williams yeah. in '72. He, how about that sweet swing of his back in the day, Joe? He'd stop by my office every day, and we would talk about things every day. I, I love having the uh, elder statesman mentor. I had Zim with the Rays, and then I had Billy. Um, with the um, the Cubs, of course. Uh, there's a lot of guys hanging out there that I got to, you know, Rhino, Sandberg, and uh, and others. Uh, you know, they they come into town at different times. And Billy was there always. I never got to meet Ernie. He passed right before I got there. So now with the Angels, I need to focus on my elder statesman mentor uh, to hang on to. And my buddy Bob Clear is no longer with us. Preston Gomez is no longer with us. Uh, Marcel Ashman. And I got I got Marshall and I got Tony Larusa right now, which I really cherish their opinions. And uh, that's the part of the game that I don't think is taken advantage of enough anymore. The fact that guys like this have been kind of repelled as opposed to being embraced uh, by the way uh, we we operate. And I, I love the fact that uh, uh, Artie, John, and Billy have permitted these guys in because I really cherish their opinions. 
And we cherish our conversations with you, with you, Joe. As always, I thank you so much. And I know I spent you a little extra time. I'm probably going to get a phone call from the third floor of the ballpark that I kept you too long today. But you know what? It was worth it because you were awesome. And what's your message to Angel fans as far as a return to play? Yeah, just continue to be patient. It's going to happen. Um, it's going to happen relatively soon. Uh, we're working on we're working on a plan right now how to how to practice uh, how to set up practices. So like I said, and I I have I have to personally internally more from this this um, uh, thought process of working through a pandemic, uh, a labor relations situation, and social injustice, and really trying to wrap my mind around that so I could be beneficial to my guys. And now I have to be that as a manager, not only to the players but the staff and everybody else in the organization. I feel a strong responsibility. So that's where I've been, and now it's I got to go. It's got to be full speed ahead, thinking about uh, baseball in and of itself right now for me. And before the next time we talk, we're going to hit a Father's Day. So on behalf of Angel sure. fans everywhere, Joe Madden, happy, happy Father's Day, my friend. And to all the pops out there too. My dad's no longer with us, um, uh, but uh, listen, everybody should have the opportunity to have a relationship like with their dad like I did. It's, it's it was awesome. So I wish everybody a happy Father's Day. Amen to that. Joe, you're awesome. Thank you, sir. Be well. Thanks, Rod. See you later. Bye. Okay, we'll see you. Talk to you next Monday. Joe Madden, the manager of our Angels on yet another Madden Monday. Thanks for listening to Madden Monday with Angels manager Joe Madden. Tune in every Monday for Madden Monday at 320 and 520 here on Angels Radio, AMA 30, KLAA. Team Lally is an organization created by Dr. James and Rebecca Lally with the purpose of bringing good people together to do great things. During these challenging times, Team Lally wants to make sure we are all recognizing and thanking our first responders and healthcare professionals for all the incredible and brave things they are doing for us. While we look forward to the day we can enjoy coming to the games again, for now, Team Lally wants to remind us all to stay safe and practice social distancing. Go Angels! And thank you from Doc and Rebecca Lally. Madden Mondays here in the Sports Lodge, proudly presented by Team Lally, who wants to wish all of you nothing but the best during these challenging times. Stay safe. Practice social distancing. Team Lally, proud sponsor of Madden Monday. That's a three-time manager of the year. That's a two-time World Series champion. That's an amazing cat, Joe Madden. I love those conversations, man. And I look forward to Madden Monday, and I hope, I hope all of you look forward to it as much as I do, because he is awesome. 714-283830. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 